Welcome to another adventure of the Halftone Effect. Another issue of the halftone effect. I am joined tonight by a master of the arts and the animation. Whoa, uh, we're getting technical now. Uh, I am joined by the very special guest, Kai Link. Kai, thank you for joining into the podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's it's finally great to have you after a, uh, a couple of missteps along the way. We we finally got there. Um, you know, it's as the show is wrapping up, we're in the last three episodes, three or four episodes. So it's oh, is that right? to be able to have you on. Yeah. This has been, um, it's been what eight years. The podcast has been going for, and it's kind of, um, it's been great to be able to talk to everyone. And now we're kind of coming to the conclusion of it, which is, oh, it's a little bit of a bittersweet moment. Um, but it's, it's been great to be able to have all the guests on like yourself tonight and um, yeah. talk about their work. Uh, and you know what what inspires them in the world of comics and manga and illustration and animation so if this were the uh if this were a shonen tv show or something this would be the episode where everything goes wrong and like the the big villains you know getting his final superpower or well i, I guess that's every episode for the half ton effect because there's <laughs> always something that goes wrong um you know whether it be audio or um the um, or the recording system crashes or oh. the, the the host or the guest drops out like we had at the start of this before we even started recording so i mean look if anything hopefully this is like one of our best um but you know on fingers crossed nothing happens um but yeah no, it's, it's 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 good it's good it's hopefully we'll get there um, no 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 touch wood um that it doesn't happen kai where did this all begin for you? What inspired you to get into the world of art? Oh my goodness, what a big question. Um, <laughs> gosh, I was talking about this, I think, with Brad last time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, like, you know, as you do when you are of our generation, you grow up watching mm-hmm. cartoons on Saturday mornings yep. and then from... Saturday mornings, maybe to weekday mornings, watching uh, Cheese TV and uh, Agra's Cartoon Connection or uh, Toasted Telly, whatever it is. Um, yeah, you know, you grow up around cartoons and you start to notice a trend, especially if you're uh, if you're noticing something like if you're if you're into Ninja Turtles, you start to notice oh, there's a mm-hmm. bit of Japanese influence there, then you start to notice oh, Astro Boy, that's from Japan. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog was big when I was a kid. That's Japanese in origin. And, you know, I think um, for a while there, it kind of just sat in the background, just generating a bit of, uh, you know, making a a preamble of like established aesthetics. But um, I guess I really, really got into it. Uh, I've been drawing that whole time, by the way, like I was doodling Sonic the Hedgehog characters and, that was my my go to drawing when I was a kid, um, but I guess it, things really like picked up when I was in high school, and on Fridays I would sneak over to the local university who had an anime club, 
and every Friday uh, they would, or every second Friday, I think it was. Uh, this is in Sydney. They'd have an anime club where these guys in college who are a few years older than me would be talking about anime and having screenings on one of their projectors and. Um, yeah, they they'd be trading spools of fan subbed anime illicitly, and you know the real grungy pre like Madman kind of days. Um, and from there, I just kind of that's where I really fell in love with it as a as a medium. You know, I got to see so many cool things there. Like I got to see Spirited Away before it came out. Um, it just became like, and the the wholesomeness of the community. Just oh, oh we're sharing it all. You got to see this one. You got to see this one. And um, in a community sense, it was it was really special. And so yeah. I started thinking, yeah, I really want to get into this particular art style, and I really enjoy comics and cartoons. Um, so I started creating. Um, then you know. I'd steadily keep up a diet of, you know, doing a bit of fan art here and there as I'd make my way to university um, where I met more people who liked that. Thing. I actually studied to be a games artist as part of a three, as part of a degree at RMIT. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, you know, maybe this is, uh, maybe this is putting too fine a date on exactly what generation I am, but that was around the time uh yeah i got into university and i graduated right around the time where uh there was a financial crisis a global one as a matter mm -hmm, of fact mm -hmm. and um yeah the funny thing about uh the games course going in is that they they start saying to you oh come on in the jobs are booming the jobs are booming and then the bottom falls out of the economy and they go no 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 don't worry we're we're um we are uh, an entertainment industry and therefore we're recession proof but the thing they don't mm -hmm. tell you is that because a lot of the export industry of the local game scene comes from Americans trying to develop cheaply in Australia mm -hmm. um, when the American dollar fell all the jobs just went overnight yeah um, so it was really difficult for a while to sort of find mm -hmm. your footing uh, and any games job that you could look for they like you could apply for it but there were probably about four or five other guys with 20 years experience on you applying for the same jobs so mm -hmm. um i i just sat down and i went right i'm gonna find a way to find some other way to make my art pay and i sat down mm -hmm. and i made a little commission business uh started selling artwork to custom order and mm -hmm. um from there I start. I managed to make a small business making comics just out of my studio in my uh, bedroom. Mm -hmm. Wow! I mean, that's that's a journey and a half. That is right there. Oh, yeah. Um, and I mean, I mean, and exactly right. I mean, we. I think as the as as creators, you go through the motions, the ups and the downs, and the downs and the ups. That all comes with mm. it. And I think that's kind of the. I guess that is the maturing of uh, any creator. Um, they've kind of go, got to go through those ups and downs to become oh, yeah. better at what they do and, and redevelop how they, they think of things and how they kind of proceed. So by the sounds of what you've gone through um, with the likes of a recession, which would have been, uh, it would have been a complete um, mind uh, alteration because, you know, that whole system will, 
that was there before um, before the financial crisis. There were a lot of developers, I understand, that were here in Australia. That's right. And then and then with the the, the global crisis, like the financial crisis we had, it really did take it all the way offshore, which was it was disappointing to see. I knew a lot of people who had lost jobs in amongst that, and it was quite. Um, a huge detriment to the country and how we kind of perceive video games. Um, but it sounds like, you know, you were able to recalibrate and start looking at other avenues and other industries within the country or outside of um, Australia. Yeah, yeah. To kind of... it's, um, I think it's really important to be flexible as an artist. Mm-hmm. Like you can definitely mm-hmm. have loves and influences and those things will give you tremendous value as an artist when you're going for jobs or when you're um, trying to develop something that's uniquely yours. But at the same time, um, we are, or especially at that time, we were entering Mm -hmm. a unique era where, oh, suddenly you can sit in your bedroom and accept money from around the world from people who can see Mm -hmm. all your artwork. Like this is back in the, uh, the peak Tumblr days. So you could get a lot of attention just because you were yeah. making artwork and you were on Tumblr. And yeah. I happened to be, you know, in a position to take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of those people yeah. aren't around anymore, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my, my journey didn't end there as well. So um, you kind of move from there to new spaces. Yeah, well, I guess that's the, uh, the crux of social media and... Um forums like that that we kind of we have to adapt to that how have you found that transition over the i guess from gathering you know looking at about 12 to 14 years of work in the industry how have you found that whole transition is that how long it's been it can't be um yeah look um it social media keeps you on your toes (laughs) i'm sure you know i'm sure you know that because the uh best practices for any social media platform, six months later, it's completely changed because, oh, someone yep. figured it out. Now we have to turn the whole thing on its head and confuse everyone again. Um, and it's it's a continuous process of doing that. But what I found is if you can foster, you know, a following and you mm-hmm. can bring those people with you, they've got your back, really. Like the social media both helps and prevents you from getting the people you want to follow you mm-hmm. but once you have those people if you treat them right and you you know you do something entertaining and you create value with your artwork then they'll they'll follow you wherever you go yep that's what i yeah found it, it it's it's interesting because like the time i was coming into it it was around the tumblr and when instagram are kind of taken off and i found a lot of artists through instagram um before oh, yeah. it became the whole influencer um system that it is today yeah was at least 10 years ago um but it was quite interesting watching that transition from tumblr to the likes of instagram and i guess for that matter twitter as well i mean twitter is a huge platform within itself and depending on how you use it whether it be for art or um, writing or for politics which is it can get very nasty and um fandoms i mean that's the whole other thing itself but the art community seems to be um, really strong within those forums. Facebook probably not as much, and mm. I, I guess to a certain degree, even like um, Discord and Twitch now, how they've kind of played out. Um, how's that put, kind of played for you with jumping from one to other as the evolution has gone? 
Yeah, look, I um, I haven't spent 100% of my time grinding on social media. So um, I've had I've fortunately had an opportunity to leap into some industry work here and there as well. Yeah. Um, which is the other thing. Like if you're not employed, then um, being able to post your stuff online is an opportunity to build your showreel. And on the note of Instagram um, right now, a lot of people, especially in animation, who look for uh, new people, a lot of the time they'll just go to their Instagram. And because your Instagram isn't like a full showreel, They'll click mm. on each individual clip that's like five seconds long just to get a sense of who you are. So there's a tip. There's a tip out there for anyone who's wanted to get into uh, stuff like set up your Instagram and start posting just mm -hmm. snippets mm -hmm. of your work. Um, yep. But, you know, I have lost. I've been deplatformed a few times just because mm. not because I did anything heinous or cancelable, just because mm. um, a lot of them would change would shift their metric or they change their policy on one thing and then suddenly oh mm -hmm. that that um stream that was funneling people toward me is now dry and i'd have to move on and find another place so right now i've um i'm part of a few discord communities mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. twitch is very big for art right now um yeah TikTok actually like the the strategy a lot of people are taking is doing speed paints on TikTok because the okay. format really works for it and it's it doesn't have great discoverability and it's got even worse uh, retention in terms of like if you feed the algorithm how long it'll promote you but it's the only one with any realistic kind of uh, discoverability at the moment because Twitch is flooded constantly with millions of people mm -hmm. so it's, it can be really hard to stand out so um, my observation has been that artists are always the first one. If there's a new platform to branch out and test it and see if there's anything there, um, whether or not it takes off, you can't really predict because that's all handled by the higher ups and the people who yep. are um, running the show. But mm, yeah, mm, you've, mm. you've got to, um, yeah, you've got to keep your eye on what's happening there. You've got to run your own business. You've got to keep learning to actually be a good artist at the same time. There's a lot of plates to keep spinning. Oh, it's 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 definitely a juggling act. I mean, you're your own marketer, your own photographer, your own copywriter, your own. It's 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 just the whole media agency basically in your studio. Um, Pretty much. Which it, it I guess. The, the consumer, and I know you've got experience at the conventions as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so we've you know, met the, the uh, there a few times, but never had yeah, to so really sit down. I know, I know. It's always kind of, it's such a, um, a hectic time when you're trying to, you hustle for that dollar. Yeah. Um, but it's so funny. Like, I think the audience that attend conventions, they just don't understand that it, the effort that goes into the work that you're putting into the work that's presented on the day it's not just about doing it and trying to sell it there you've got to yeah, market yeah. it whether it be through funnels in on crowdfunding or you've got a patreon or you know you're doing it via twitch and you've got subscribers to that that are donating to your art it's just a whole other background that people seem to forget about it is and what i found is this interesting like I could go on about how Australians don't really like Australian art. That's its own thing. And I'm sure you've noticed that there's like a cultural bias against Australian yep. art, particularly from Australians, because we're used to, oh, it's not real because it didn't come from overseas. We didn't have to mm -hmm. like buy mm -hmm. it or import it. 
But yeah. the, the thing I've noticed with uh, conventions is that no one really cares who you are. They might think that what you've got is pretty cool. They might not. But if they've heard of you from the internet, suddenly it's a big deal. Because mm-hmm. um, I've had fans fly into conventions to meet me and see me and like buy some work from me. And that's really special um, mm-hmm. alone. But the way they approach you is very, very different to people who are just wandering through the convention. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can tell them, oh, you know, I was published in Japan. I was on TV over there. And they go, um, cool. why would I buy your comic? for uh this much when i can buy like a tankobon at the uh big comic book place for like half of for just about half that price because like, well, <laughs> i'm making them myself out of my shelf yep um it's more about what value you can provide to the consumer at those shows exactly yeah uh, oh it, it's definitely that um it's interesting going back into conventions um, I think there's a little bit more understanding coming outside of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. I, I, the, the couple I've done have been um, quite interesting. Consumers have kind of come up to you and gone, oh, this is a bit more premium than what you'd see in the comic store. And we're like, okay, I've never heard that before, but I'll, I'll take that and run with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think possibly there's a little bit more um, appreciation, I think, for the independent creator, um, which is great. Uh, we still yeah. do, there's always that undersell of you know you've got to really sell your work you got to sell your soul to make that sale um but i think there is a bit more of an appreciation and i think that social media has changed that landscape for artists um Definitely. as much as we all dislike using it it's been a great instrument to use to our ability to create a create and become more um it, i guess in the public it, eye it's such a double-edged sword um because on one hand yes you can be noticed by absolutely anyone but on the other hand mm-hmm. it you need to feed the algorithm all the time you, you gotta like have content constantly coming out or you'll be forgotten in within mm-hmm. uh yep. the space of a day it's it's 100 on the money there and it's it's that's that's kind of um my mentality now of that is um i'd, I'd rather not feed the monster i just rather play my own game um yeah. because it can become it can become addictive um and it's a thankless um job really you, it is you could put a post up that might get half the likes that your last one did um it could be something there's a lot more detail in it that isn't fan art it's something you've originally created and it could just fall flat on flat ears. So, uh, yeah, social media in a nutshell. <laughs> well, it's also um, uh, creator and properties and indie stuff as well. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's largely down to like, oh, you know, um, the, people don't know if an indie work is going to be good before they buy mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. like what people of course like what's familiar and i like what's familiar so that's why you know fan art is such an important component of just running a business these days even if you're not profiting from it you have to produce it in order to mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. eyes you know coming in and focusing on you and i, I like to make fan art sometimes but mm-hmm. i also mm-hmm. like to make other things and at the moment my view of conventions is less like a sales opportunity and more like a marketing one. 
because yep. all the heavy sales I get and all the revenue I earn, it mostly comes from online. Uh, and it's been wow. that way yep. for a few years now. Like, mm-hmm. um, I had a few posts that accumulated, you know, about 150,000 views. Um, mm-hmm. I had a few blogs that had about 10,000 people on there. Um, but, you know, that, that doesn't really translate to, um, what is it like? I think it's, how many is it in terms of numbers at an average convention in Australia? It's like five to 10,000. Uh, if you're looking at the likes of our biggest ones, which is Sydney and Melbourne, they have a yeah. turnaround of around 30,000. See, that's not um, bad for Australia. Shows. No, yeah. that's not bad at all. And I think this, like the Adelaide and Sydney, uh, sorry, Adelaide, Brisbane and Perth ones, you're looking at about 20,000. So yeah. it's, it's not too bad. Um, I mean, the smaller shows, you're looking at around a turnaround of like 5,000 people. Um, yeah, yeah. where you've got like smaller um, market ones or um, I'm not too familiar with when the, um, the Mad Men one was going, but from my that understanding of those ones, mm, yeah, I think that's a good segue away from social media. Um, you're involved <laughs> yeah. in that. Oh, yes. We can't stay on social media all the time. But no, no. Tell us a bit about be that. Because uh, I, first time I, well, probably the second time I met you, you were doing, you were hosting a panel at, the Madman Festival. That's right. I got to um, put together a little live stage show based off of my mm-hmm. manga, uh, Quick Draw. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, like Quick, Quick Draw, to give your listeners a basic rundown, the premise is basically like Food Wars. If you've seen that, you have two competitive artists and uh, they clash head to head and then people cheer for who they think won. Um, based on the categories of, I think, one of them was technical ability, the other one was uh, including the theme, because you draw a random theme from the hat at the start of every round. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was a third one. And uniqueness as well, because I wanted technical quality to be in there, but I didn't want it to Mm -hmm. dominate. And as a result, we've actually had a really couple of really cool turnarounds where someone who wasn't as technically savvy turned around and was like, but I used the theme in a way that the audience resonates with, so... That was fun. Um, yeah, so I took that concept in the manga, um, and that manga, you know, I, I debuted it at a convention in Australia, and I took it to Komitia in Japan and um, uh, Kaigai Manga Festa in Japan. Wow. Yep. Um, with a with a translated version. So is it really manga if it came out in Japan? Well, yeah, but is it really manga if it got drawn by an Australian? Most people say no, but it's up to you. The point is, um, yeah, we did uh, three shows, and mm-hmm. we had some very cool guests. We had, like, Reggie Akora. We had um, Golden Gooby from Planet Dolan. Um, who else did we have that was really cool? We had my, my boy um, Min, who's a really great artist, who's, mm-hmm. I think, moved on to doing, like, some work at a company. For, that makes me okay. now. Um, and they'd clash on stage, and I had like I brought my own video assets and a setup that does all the different uh, pop-ups and like has the topic pop-up on the board and a timer and yeah. everything. It was it was pretty fun, and I had my co-hosts um, come up and help me make a big spectacle out of it, and that was mm-hmm. really cool. It, Mad Men for three years, and then COVID happened, and. I don't know if we'll be doing it again because uh, Mad Men, the company, has changed hands twice 
since wow. the last time uh, I was in contact with anybody there. And a lot of the people who were my contacts there have left. Right. Fingers crossed that maybe something will come out of it. But maybe. Uh, it was, look, for my for my experience at both the shows that I went to, yeah. They were fantastic, and I did get to catch some of the show that you were doing, and it was it was great. Like it, it just seemed so energetic. Um, you had a crowd, which is the most important mm. thing. I think you need to, the crowd does make it a whole lot more um, entertaining, and they just seem to be like eating it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I deliberately picked um, some good co-hosts. Um, mm. Crap, I'm going to. I'm going to eat it if I don't get their names correct. So I'm just going to quickly, uh, yeah, Thomas Anderson and shit. I haven't spoken to him in ages. Ah, it'll come to me. I'm so sorry, man. I'm so sorry. That's all right. That's amazing. I'm talking to him. If he's listening, like, um, John McLeish. There there you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. John McLeish. And he was, they were both great together. Um, yep. Tom's actually an esports commentator as well, so he had all oh, of wow, the okay. like right stuff to come in and start like spruiking about what the artwork was. And the reason I did that was because I had a horrible experience at another convention where they invited me to participate in and then another year judge an art competition. And the, the host was up there on the stage wearing his staff shirt, going, That's cool. They had a TV set up there, but they couldn't get anything to show the artwork that was happening on camera for the people to see. So their solution, I think two years running, was how about the audience come up one at a time and they look at the art and then they go back and sit down. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, this this is awful. I even uh, offered to bring in one of my own cameras from home so they could use it. But And I brought like an HDMI cable. I was ready. But the yeah. problem that they had was, oh, the TV we have here, it's a floor model that we got cheap from uh, a store and it's stuck on demo mode. So it only shows the company logo on the TV. <sighs> oh! And, you know, all, all kinds of stuff like that. That was just, I'm not going to put up with this. We need, we deserve a good show. Um, and so we put one on and I'm glad to hear that you liked it. And I, I trust that other people did as well. I thought it was you delivered, exciting you, myself. You yeah. absolutely delivered. And I just, I remember the day, um, one of the shows it was, and you would, it was just, the atmosphere was phenomenal. So like to bring that to a, um, a sketch off like that um, was, it was just great to see. And that's, I think that's, that's really important as well for the um, the audience to recognize mm. the, the artists that are there and they're, you know, they're doing these little, little deals um and you the way you presented it at, at, at the show it just it had that energy there that drew people in they were like oh what's going on over here um, kind of like when you you go to i guess a wrestling and they've got the announcer and he's energetic and he's you know let's get exactly. ready to rumble you know it's it, exactly it people in. the vibe we were going for because once you give an audience that context for a local artist it generates curiosity about what they're doing the rest of the time so my vision was you know win or lose i'm not really concerned with that yes we had some prizes but as far as i'm concerned everyone who gets up on the stage is a winner and they're helping to create more interest in local art and 
that's mm-hmm. that's promotion. Like I would love if we could do a full season where we had, you know, um heels and heroes and that kind of stuff. Like really dig into the wrestling vein of it and have arcs unfolding across yeah. the season. Um and we were looking into physical venues to host regularly when the pandemic came. Wow. Hit. Yeah. 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 The damn pandemic ruined all our fun. Yeah, um, it did, but I had a different job at that stage anyway. Yeah. Oh, I think that goes for any panel or any um any talking that you can kind of or any talking or displaying you can do at a, at a convention or a show. I think that's really important. Um, I know from experience that getting up and on stage and talking about your work, um, mm. it may be half a dozen people. It might be a dozen. It might be a, a sellout. People might be just flocking to the seats just to have a rest from walking around. That's still important because it generates a bit of buzz for the people that are on stage to kind of hear about their, their journey into the, the world of making comics or yeah. um, illustrating or doing a jewel like that, what you, you, um, you curated. So I think it, for anyone, if they've got an opportunity to do it, jump at it. Oh, um, it thank it, you. I hope we do get an opportunity to do it again. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I did... it, it's such a, sorry, you go. Oh, sorry. Uh, I did hear, from one of our sponsors, the um, Manga Arts Comic Gear guys. Thank, if you're listening, thank you so much. I hope we can do business again. I believe they're actually this weekend um, supplying the prizes for another drawing competition at the Animaga booth at Oz Comic Con. Um, but my point is, uh, we actually set up, they set us up with little kits that actually had the mm-hmm. quick draw characters inside um, that people could unwrap as soon as the, the you know the bell rang. Uh and they also had those available for purchase at their wow. uh, little store. And apparently they flew off the shelves after that show went on. They weren't big wow. packs or anything. They were mm-hmm. like little uh, get started. Here's an eraser. Here's a pencil. Here's a pen. But mm-hmm. apparently they, they went and people, you know, could read the comic and buy the kit. And it was a, it was a solid bit of, um, you know, marketing mm-hmm. synergy that was going on. Far out. That's awesome. Well, I mean, if that's that's a another win for you guys to be able to get people involved and hopefully generate a buzz and a following outside of the convention, then that's absolutely. I'm all for that. Um, I think that if anyone who's listening is in the Australian convention circuit, hit Kai up and ask him to get him on board. It sounds it's it's, oh, a, yeah. it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. We got um, footage now, from those last ones. Sorry. Oh, really? Um, no, you're yeah, right. We got we got footage. Um, I did not have time to edit it and I, you know, I was busy working on some other stuff, but, uh, I might look into you releasing them online at some point. Oh, wow. That'd be awesome. Um, now seeing as this is a comic book podcast and we do talk about comic books quite a lot, um, I wanted to ask you, we touched upon it beforehand with, um, quick draw. Oh yeah. But the, 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 the idea behind that and how it all came to be. Give us a little bit of insight into that, Kai. All right. Um, so Quick Draw was actually a submission mm-hmm. I made to Saturday PM or Saturday AM, mm-hmm. the My Footprint published manga uh, magazine. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, yeah, I, I made the pitch to them. Hey, it's it's Bakuman meets uh, Shokugeki no Thoma. And um, they went, great, go, go, come on in. <laughs> And I was like, oh, oh, snap, I'd better get on in. Um, I yep. had, I think, a month or two 
of production when I was working on the on the chapters that came out. Yep. Um, I was alongside some other artists like White Manga, who's got a pretty big mm-hmm. YouTube following, and some some other great talented people. Uh, but unfortunately, because of the, the model that they were using for that magazine, I couldn't stay on board. I had to go and take other work. Um, okay. But I still had the the you know the chapters I produced, so uh, I was able to wrap that up into a little one shot and uh, start selling it on the side at conventions and doing that live show, as you've seen. Yep, yep. That's that's. That- I think that's fantastic. It's kind of started out there and it's evolved into the show. Yeah, like- yeah. For two, like that's so it's so unique and it's so rarely ever you, you wouldn't think of it that way when you start working on a project like a little mini series or a comic book or a manga at that stage and then turn it into what you turned it into and it has i guess hopefully it, it picks back up again and it continues i'd like that <laughs> I uh, I was actually talking to one of my teachers in Japan when I came back and brought a, a copy over for them uh, mm-hmm. for the um, uh, the Tokyo Name Tank, which is the place I go when I'm studying. And um, he said, "Look, it it the way you've drawn it in the manga, it feels like a real thing." And I went, "Well, that's that's the thing. We actually did do it as well." Went, oh, that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. So. That that's that's really cool. I think that's exciting. I like hearing you talk about it all tonight. It makes me want to kind of see if it can be done again because I think that's oh. that's, that's such a little. It's such it's such a cool and unique idea that we don't see anymore. And um, like, I think with some genuine promotion, like if it was billed on the convention, mm-hmm. um, like paraphernalia, I think it could draw some some numbers. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, that's the thing. I guess, again, it comes back to marketing and how it's yeah. presented and the crux of being our own, uh, own marketing agency as, as artists. That's right. Um, yeah. And I guess also for your work, have you done much work with other, other creators outside of your own stuff? Um, yeah. Yeah. Manga? Um, I was on the channel Planet Dolan for a while as a voiceover okay. artist and as a um, as an animation director. Actually, mm-hmm. I directed mm-hmm. a music video called yep. um, Origin of Gooby Searching, uh, where um, the creator was looking to expand into some higher end, you know, industry standard animation. And I said, well, you know, um, I know all about that. Uh, let me mm-hmm. give you a hand. And I art directed the whole thing. And look, we had a couple of hiccups here and there with some of the production it didn't quite look uh the whole the whole thing to uh 100 standard but you know you work with who you've got available a lot of our um animators were freshly graduated students so that's that's what you deal with but they all did uh, a great job and mm-hmm. i think it turned out really special and yep. then after that i uh i was brought on for the um pilot uh production for called Destruna, which was a 3D anime-esque uh, TV show that we produced right here in Melbourne. Um, and after like two years, uh, we we came out with a finished pilot that's available on YouTube. You can watch it now. I've got my fingers in many different uh, departments on that one because I was I was there from the beginning, uh, helping mm-hmm. to help to try and define how do you, how do you actually run a cartoon studio in australia this way (laughs) yeah yep but i think um 
I think one of the big issues we had was um, there was a vision and there was what the possibilities were in terms of uh, pitching. And I don't know if you know about this, but Netflix just recently shut down a whole bunch of their animation departments. Like they have frozen and canceled a whole bunch of uh, their animation because their stock price is falling due to their, um, you know, they say, oh, it's due to falling numbers. It's what it's due to is you hit peak market saturation two years ago and now your stock holders are like, where's my dividends? Because and they can't grow anymore because there's nowhere to grow to. And other services yeah. have come along to take some of their revenue away. So yeah. Um that's that whole situation anyway. But um I still think that what we came out with was pretty impressive because we went for a really 3D but also 3D standing in for 2D art style that I yeah. uh, sort of pushed in the um, in the pre-production. We used uh, Blender, Tune Shaders, and, and all of that kind of stuff, which I've you know since been experimenting with on my own. But yeah. um, when you make a show like that, you've got to be ready to pitch it for about five years or something, uh, or it just like... Wow. All kinds of stuff can happen. It Maybe it'll get funded, but uh, maybe it won't. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, my strategy that I was hoping to go for was, Hey, we'll set up this studio. Um, and then, you know, once we do the pilot, we've got an opportunity to pitch the pilot around, but we also Mm -hmm. have an opportunity to offer our services as a studio because, you know, generally the production company and the studio are two different companies. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the creator, the producer was really just honed in on his vision he wanted to do that he didn't want to get bogged down doing other things and unfortunately it doesn't look like it got picked up so bummer bummer that's and i mean it's hard man it is hard in that kind of industry when you're um and it sounds like there was a lot of a lot of love and labor put into that project and looking at the trailer that you um you gave me before we jumped on I checked it out, and it, it was it was fantastic. Like that three D style, it had a two D feel, but it had that three D element to it that really brought it to life. Um, yeah. Which is something that's not seen often, um, and I think it's kind of underutilized. Yeah, I um, when uh, we were developing that, I, I brought in I brought the team in to look at uh, this mm-hmm. lecture given by the Guilty Gear people, who did okay. that amazing three D style um game but it's oh, a 2d style game but it's in it's rendered with 3d graphics and everyone yep. thought it was 2d until in the trailer the camera just suddenly goes and everyone goes those are oh oh those are not sprites those are fully rendered 3d <laughs> characters oh my goodness um, yeah and i just feel like the industry hasn't really caught up with them and we are going to see or even need to see more of that. It's not a style Mm -hmm. that is less labor intensive than realistic uh, rendering. It's just the labor goes into different areas. It goes into stuff like the um, uh, getting the poses right, getting the lighting on the face set up just right. So it looks good at every angle and Mm -hmm. all kinds of other weird, you know, arcane means to try to push 3d into looking like it's 2d. Yeah, I guess the programs now are a lot more user-friendly than what they were um, in oh, yeah. the early days of 3D animation. So it is a, a kind of a, a marriage of the two formats. 
um, as one. I think that it's um, it's like watching the trailer again. It was so unique that it was something that you'd never seen before. I'm like this this you know hearing you now say that you don't think it got picked up is is disappointing to hear it you know yeah it obviously would have had an audience um obviously had some big names attached to it for their voice cast yeah um, i i got to um i got to do stand-in voice acting alongside some of those people it was it was pretty intimidating wow you would have got some hints and tips though as well wouldn't you along the way yeah a bit of a oh maybe yeah. I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to talk about that, but um, oh, okay, yeah, right, okay. yeah. That's it was enough. it was fun though. Like I got to meet and hang out in a call with most of those cast members and wow. offer them direction on stuff. Uh, they were just mm. very sweet, lovely group of people, very committed to you know doing the job in a fun way and doing the job in a way that works. And um, you know the main the main cast member. Uh, in particular, just being like mm. such a such a nice guy the whole time, and um, you know, just saying, look, whatever we got to do to get it right, like uh, have everyone do their thing. If you need to keep me back longer, that's fine. If you need to come back and do a, do pickups with me, that's fine. Just really, um, just being sweet and professional and and enthusiastic about the project, which was great yeah. to see. I have heard of that about him, and I think that's uh, to hear you say that is actually, you know, I think that's really good to have people that are just down to earth and just mm. normal going and not, I guess, up in their own ass. Yeah. Um, no divas. That's the, yes, no divas. Um, no divas. That's awesome, man. Like, it sounds like hearing, I, I guess I knew a bit from the quick times we've been able to talk at conventions and what Brad told me, but. Hearing it yeah. tonight, you've had you've got such a caliber of work behind you, and oh. you've been able to kind of touch in all the industries within the whole art community, which is it's a rare occurrence that you meet people like that. And I think that is such a um, recognition of the work that you've done over the the years that you've been doing this for. Thank you. So I'd like to congratulate on that, Kai. It's 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 awesome to uh, to be able to hear that. Thank you very much, um, and talk to you about this, but. Uh, I think that's it for tonight. We are we do try and keep oh. this around the forty minute mark, but it has been an absolute delight having you on the show for our fourth last episode. Um, to have you on and finally talk to you about your work. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been great. Like like I said, we never get to catch up at the conventions, so it's nice <laughs> to actually have some dedicated time to, to do it. Yeah, no, it's been great to be able to just, to just shoot. Shoot the uh, I'm not gonna shoot this. I'm sorry, shoot the shoot the shit, um, and just talk about your work. Um, but guys, before we do wrap up, Kai, where can everyone find your work on the world? Uh, right now, I'm focused on animation work, so you can find me at Awoo, it's Wolfgang at Instagram, on Twitter, on Twitch, and on YouTube. There you go, guys. Go and check out Kai's work. Go and support it, follow it, purchase it. Um, and <laughs> thank keep, you. <laughs> keep it up, Kai. I, I think it's great. I think the uh, the the community needs that more of this kind of stuff. So uh, thank you again for coming on the show. It's been an absolute delight having you on. Oh, uh, and, yeah, thank you. Um, and guys, we'll be back again next week for another issue of the Halftone Effect. <gasps>